Nomadic life. What comes to your mind when you hear those words? Personally, I think of the vibrant and exciting lives of van lifers that flood the feet of my social media. Being curious by nature, I can't help but daydream of what it might be like to have the world as my backyard, having the ability to bring home wherever I want to be, potentially being able to work online and therefore work from anywhere. It all sounds like a very tempting pursuit of freedom. For others, however, those of us who crave those creature comforts that come with the life society has laid out for us, maybe scratching our heads wondering, why would anyone want to live like that? Living in such small quarters? Where the fuck is the bathroom? How do you cook? And what about Wi-Fi? And showering? Regardless of where you find yourself on the scale of willingness to partake in such a way of life, there is an air of curiosity surrounding a lifestyle so foreign to one most of us choose to live. Today, we'll be exploring the origins of the nomadic movement, discussing my own experience living nomadically with, you guessed it, Darshili, and interviewing a current nomad to learn more about their intention living nomadically. I hope you'll join me on a deep dive into the ever-growing community of modern-day nomads and where the roots of this lifestyle lie. I'm your host, Abby Sukup, and welcome to the big, beautiful world of nomadic living. Today, nomadic life almost seems one of luxury. If you look up hashtag van life on any social media platform, your screen will become littered with picturesque built-out sprinter vans overlooking beautiful landscapes and numerous national parks. These modern-day nomads are all a part of the digital nomad movement, a community of individuals ditching their basic 9-to-5s and trading their comfy conformist lifestyles for the unknown and adventure. Like many others, I found myself enticed by nomadic living. Being free-spirited and curious by nature, the idea of consistent adventure and newness all sounded great. And living in a super cute van build couldn't hurt either. With graduation approaching, I found myself in a position to be able to give nomadic life a trial run of sorts. Dar, being from California, wanted to return to visit his friends from college. With that as our mission, we decided to turn our five-hour flight into a two-month road trip across the country and back. Not being in the financial position as a soon-to-be senior in college to purchase or rent a van, we decided to travel oh so luxuriously in Dar's 2011 Nissan Altima with nothing but the car and our two-person tent we nicknamed Little Blue. Coming up, a conversation about our two-month nomadic experience, but before we get into all of that, it's important to understand the history behind nomadic living. Although similar intentions are trickled in throughout history of nomadic living, the first nomads did so out of necessity rather than choice. Before we dive into the history of nomadism, we have to start with basic human history. The first of primitive humankind relied strictly on the world around them, and life revolved around survival. Humans dwelled in small groups made of multiple families. They didn't build homes, but instead found natural shelter under shade, in trees, in caves. You know, the basic roof-over-your-head sentiment has always been around. Humans lived a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, meaning we had no active role in the production of the food we were consuming. We relied strictly on instincts and chance. This was all going great until about 12,000 years ago, at the beginning of the Neolithic era. Population growth, climate change, and overhunting created some big ecological changes affecting humans, plants, and animals. One of these changes being a decrease in population amongst larger animal species like deer and mammoth. Obviously, these were big-ticket items for hunters. A mammoth can feed a plethora of mouths. Because of this, hunters resorted to hunting smaller species like rabbits, goats, and fox. Smaller animals are a lot harder to hunt and aren't as useful. 
they also didn't coincide with their lifestyle. Not having as much food means people didn't have as much energy to hunt. I can only see the vigorous cycle people found themselves in. Obviously, things needed to change. The hunter-gatherer lifestyle that was once uber-efficient wasn't serving the same purpose and had become rather inefficient with big game population dwindling. So, about 9,000 years ago, humans decided to settle down. They started planting grain like wheat and barley for food and domesticating goats and ewes. Villages began to form as more people opted for a more controlled way of life. For some, this was it. They had the house, they had the farmland, they're producing their own food and maybe even making a buck or two selling their goods to the rest of the village. In more arid areas where the climate didn't allow for farming, humans opted for animal husbandry. They utilized grasslands for all-you-can-eat buffets for their recently domesticated goats and sheep. As their flocks of animals grew bigger, these people began to travel with their flocks in search of more grass for a eaten. Shepherds, as they were called, were the first nomads, traveling far and wide with their animal friends searching for the greenest of grass to feed their flock, which would eventually feed them. If they came across land for farming, they might settle down for a harvesting season, and once the season was up, they'd embark on their journeys yet again. As humans continued to evolve past their primitive origins, villages turned into cities and cities turned into states. Human society began to develop and class systems were instated. As more people were born into this sedentary way of life, conformity was established. Those on the outside of these newly established lifestyle norms were the nomadic groups. Among these groups were the nomadic Scythians of ancient Greece, who were famous for their skills in horseback combat and advanced weaponry. The group traveled by wagon and left behind little trace of their existence, creating no literature, having no homes, and no furniture. What we know about these groups is mainly from those who encountered them along their travels. Because of this, the perception of these communities seen in history are often underdeveloped, accounted by individuals who didn't understand these complex traveling groups who knew and understood the land better than anyone who found political stability through mobility. The opposition and discrimination of nomadic groups is prevalent throughout history. During World War II, the Romani were subject to ethnic cleansing, and just 40 years ago, there were multiple accounts of government-sponsored forced sterilization in certain parts of Europe on the Romani as well. The hobo, the gypsy, both labels developed by our conformist, sedentary society holding negative connotations towards nomadic groups. Until the rise of the nomadic movement, a negative perception of nomads rang true throughout the world, but with platforms like Instagram and TikTok, nomads have taken it upon themselves to present the beauty of nomadic living, showing off their homes on wheels and unique way of life, promoting adventure and freedom. So there you have it, a brief history on nomadic living. Now that you understand the origins of the movement, we can dive into some more personal experiences to better understand the intentions of today's nomads. Coming up, a conversation with myself and Darshili on our experience living nomadically for two months last summer. Big Beautiful World will be right back. Stay with us. Do it again. That was cool. <laughs> hey, Dar. I Welcome to Big Beautiful World. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Abigail Sukup. I'm really excited to talk about your experience and our experience living nomadically. Yeah, that's kind of how we met, isn't it? Kind of, sort of, kind of. Aww. Aww. So, to preface, uh, Dar and I met in the summer of 2020 over a, uh, I don't know, like about about a month, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we, we met in a single moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you're asking. All right. Well, we we actually met when you picked me up from the airport. Right. 
I was planning on going on a about like a month and a half uh, trip across the United States with my best friend Jackie. Yeah, you already had these plans. And, and then, then I just tagged along. Precisely. And then we fell in love. Oh. And like that was that was a pretty nomadic experience. I mean, it was pretty luxurious, I would say, since we had, you know, like a, a queen size bed and a bathroom and a full size kitchen and a full fridge. Not the typical quote unquote nomadic lifestyle. No. But I mean before that you were kind of living nomadically for a couple months, right? Yeah, by nomadic living if if you mean couch surfing. <laughs> for sure. You know. <laughs> what like did you what did you homelessness call it? by choice? <laughs> <laughs> another another take on nomadic <laughs> life um but so i guess like your intention with nomadic life a lot of it kind of came from the trip that you took with jackie and her family before i landed in la so i was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about that yeah i mean it all started as just wanting to save money i think so. that's how a lot of people get into it mm-hmm. um you know, I graduated college, didn't know what I wanted to do, had a bunch of really cool friends that would have me whenever they, you know, whenever I wanted. Uh, so I was just riding that wave as long as I could. Living mm, that's in, the dream. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Living in California rent-free, who doesn't want to do that? Uh, so I was really enjoying that, you know, just sort of enjoying that lifestyle. And then Jackie's parents, who, they're, they're the LeClairs, if you will, I've known them since mm-hmm. I was like five years old. They're father you know his dad Paul has been best friends with my dad for ever for as long as I can remember so when they made their way out to San Diego in their RV they you know hit me up because they knew I lived there at the time and you know we were hanging out for like a week and then they just invited me to tag along for the rest of their journey because I was already planning on moving back to Charleston and that's where they were headed for their, you know, the the end of their trip. Right, like similar so, end goal kind of. Right, situation. I figured why not, you know, take my time with the drive back out east, follow them in my car, get to stay in the RV for free, get to see all these beautiful places and experience all these cool things. It was sort yeah. of a no-brainer. No, right, and especially with, like, I mean, this was summer 2020, like, when COVID first all began, so uh, yes, you yes. were living pretty lavishly, sponsored by the, the federal government. <laughs> yeah, sponsored <laughs> by Uncle Sam. I had a job at a research lab and at the university I graduated from, um, and then when COVID hit, obviously that you know got discontinued. So I got some unemployment benefits mm-hmm. yeah. from that, um, as a lot of us did, as the Leclairs <laughs> did. Uh, so yeah, I was you know lucky to have that funding for the trip as well mm-hmm. yeah so you you took a little trip up to yosemite right yeah so it started as uh my my sister and jackie's brother parker my best friend mm-hmm. i should i'm sorry to interrupt you i should say that i know jackie we worked at a summer camp together for a while and she's been my best friend for a couple of years so right that is how dar and i got to know each other but small world small world continue yeah quick <laughs> i mean i guess like quick on the connections there right they the leclairs used to live in new hampshire where this summer camp that you went to with jackie is yes exactly um then they moved to charleston where i have lived and they have <laughs> lived my whole life so right. that's how we know each other mm-hmm. yeah so there's there's the connections there right quick little quick little uh disclaimer preface mm-hmm. i don't know what the word i, I use disclaimer context yeah Context, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Uh All right, well, what was your question? (laughs) Um, So you took up that you took that trip up to Yosemite. 
Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just for fun. Uh, my sister flew out, Parker flew out, um, and we all took a trip up to, first it was Sequoia National Park, one of my personal favorite places. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went up through Yosemite, back out west through San Francisco, and then back down south and eventually San Diego. Yeah, back again. So do you, would you say that trip like influenced your decision in any way to like continue on? With the nomadic lifestyle? Um, It was sort of like an introduction to the nomadic lifestyle. You know, up until that point, I was, as we said, homeless by choice. (laughs) Um, Not quite nomadic. I see nomadic as more, you know, constantly moving. Right, I was sort of just bouncing around but staying in, you know, the general San Diego County area. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, that that sort of made me realize, like, oh, wow, there's people who do this. You know, when we got to the RV park at Sequoia, there was – all these different people with really cool, you know, van builds, old built-out camper vans, and all sorts of, you know, like temporary quote-unquote living situations where they could just, you know, hop in whatever this vehicle was and go wherever they wanted. So that was sort of my introduction to that whole community lifestyle scene. I didn't really fully understand what it was or that it even existed until that point. Right. I mean, everything becomes a little bit more tangible when you see it in in the works, you know, and yeah, like meeting all those people along along the road trip definitely made it seem a little bit more of like an achievable thing. Yeah, they're all so cool. I don't think I ever (laughs) met anybody who was doing that sort of lifestyle that wasn't very unique and down to earth and personable. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just always really cool people. Yep. So, I mean, I don't want to spend, like, I guess, too much time on talking about the summer of 2020, Um, even though, like, yes, it was, like, an experience nomadically, but I also felt like I wasn't in, I wasn't leading that, you know? I was, like, kind of, like, mooching off of someone else's nomadic experience, I feel like. Sure. We were just kind of going with the flow, you know? We had, like, a free queen bed to sleep on. Exactly. And a lot of money to play with. So, it was, it was sort of like a, well, it was a vacation. Exactly. But it was really cool. You know, yeah. we, we were, like, staying in an RV, mm-hmm. uh, staying in different campgrounds across the U.S. We got to see a lot. And the, the, I think the big thing in the summer of 2020 was seeing everybody else. Exactly. You know, like, being at those campgrounds that we were staying at, mm-hmm. seeing how everyone else was doing that lifestyle and all the different options that were available. Right. So, like, I would say for me, at least, like, summer of 2020 kind of planted the seed of, like, wanting to do this on my own. 100%. Yeah. So, all right. Me and Dar. We got back from the road trip. We're chilling, right? Uh, In Westfield, Massachusetts now, where I go to school. And I mean, I guess what really influenced like my decision to want to pursue nomadic living again alongside the seed being planted was again, like a sense of stagnancy, you know? School was online. Um, There wasn't a whole lot going on. After the vacation of 2020, we, you know, ended up in Massachusetts. You asked me to stay with you, so Mm -hmm. I didn't, never made it all the way to Charleston, ended up (laughs) stopping the journey in Westfield, Massachusetts, and, you know, that sedentary lifestyle, I think, got a little old for us after a year, so we decided to, you know, do our own road trip the next summer of 2021. Right, and it it was partially kind of motivated by you maybe seeing if you wanted to buy a van. I was so set on buying a van. Um, (laughs) Our minds obviously changed. (laughs) Yeah, and then I decided to give it a shot in my Nissan Altima. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like a single day where I was looking up different YouTube videos on how everybody else has done this. You know, like people have built out their Subaru Outbacks Mm -hmm. to like sleep and live in, which is wild to me. It's not a lot of space to work with. Mm -hmm. 
even less space to work with in my Nissan Altima, but I yeah. realized I could put my back seats down and make a little bed in the back seat. And mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, I don't need a van. I can just sleep in my Altima. Right. So I just wanted to, you know, experiment with it, give it a real shot, see if I would actually like it mm -hmm. before I made the big leap, you know, made, yeah. made such a large investment into, you know, like... Mm -hmm. 10 20 grand on a sprinter van which is what i really wanted to do right and i guess like i was tagging along for this adventure and also seeing if this was something that i wanted to pursue with you after college right we were talking very seriously about doing this for a while yeah um and also we had the mission of going back to california to retrieve your goods so oh yes i almost yes, forgot about that yeah. I, I left some stuff back and you know scattered throughout san diego and los angeles <laughs> at a few different friends houses so. yeah and i couldn't obviously fly there and then fly back with boxes of stuff right so in my head i was like oh i just have to drive and bring it back with me right so it was really like a combination of like motivating factors of like knowing that we well you needed to go to california and i wanted to come with you right knowing yeah. that we were probably going to need to drive and also like knowing that we wanted to give nomadic life a try right so it was you know a perfect opportunity to experiment with that lifestyle right so i guess now i want to talk about like our preparation going into it like you talked briefly about you know converting your nissan ultima to a um kind of a home on wheels per se um so i guess i what what planning did you personally do and um what did you think it was going to be like before we actually embarked on the road trip? Oh, gosh. I had this glorious idea in my <laughs> head that we were going to be, you know, cuddled up in my Nissan Altima every night. Very comfy with right. my little string lights across the roof and, you know, the perfect towels with, you know, like clothes clips, like hanging them up to block out the windows so people couldn't see into my car. Like very, very makeshift situation. I didn't mm -hmm. have any kind of professional gear for this. <laughs> um, you know, it was all just making it myself. Yeah. And I mean, long story short, it was too hot. Yeah. It was way too hot. We didn't take that into account at all. <laughs> it was just far too hot. Our road trip was throughout July. It mm -hmm. was the end of June, beginning of July. Majority in the South and the West Coast. Um. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, 80 plus degrees every night. Yeah. I remember one night in Joshua Tree, it mm -hmm. was still 100 degrees, like three hours after the sunset. Yep. And we yeah. were sleeping on the ground and it was terrible. <laughs> Right. I mean, so, you know, long story short, it was too hot. So we ended up staying in a tent right next to my car almost every night, mm -hmm. which worked just fine. It was great. But also, I mean, like, I definitely personally was like picturing like the added security of the car. You know what I mean? Right. Like, It'd be nice. You know, not... the idea of locked doors. Yeah, exactly. You're it... very exposed to the world when mm -hmm. you're sleeping in a tent. I still, you know, we made it work. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I realized that I didn't want to do that full time. And I think ultimately it didn't deter me from the lifestyle altogether. That's no. not what I'm saying. I think it made me realize that if I am ever going to actually do this in the future, mm -hmm. I've got to do it right. You yeah. know, I've got to do it my way and it's going to it's going to cost more than I thought. I, mm -hmm. I really wanted to do it on a budget, you know, get a yeah. get an old van for like 2-3 grand, fix it up there for as cheap as I could and just work with the you know, very, very minimal resources. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if I'm ever going to be able to do that sustainably, you mm -hmm. know, for like more than just a month or two, right. I would need one, a lot more space than mm -hmm. I thought I would want. So like no longer looking at like small Ford 
you know, work trucks. I'm looking yeah. at like big Mercedes Sprinter vans. I'm also mm-hmm. six four. <laughs> you know, so yeah. find finding something that I can drive and stand up in is mm-hmm. a task in and of itself. Yeah, to fit like a queen bed because like you actually need it. Right, yeah. and like you know, I would I would want to have a shower built in. I would want mm-hmm. to have, you know, I don't need like a really nice kitchen, but just a functional like single stovetop yeah. and like a single sink. Mm-hmm. would be pretty necessary for me. I would like to conveniently wash my dishes because right. that is important to me. I don't want to use paper paper plates and stuff. Like, you know, sustainability, that's all part of it too. And I need to be able to clean my body when I want to, and I need to be able to make coffee when I want to. Right. Those are my big three things. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was, you know, I thought I could do it for a lot cheaper than, you know, now I know that if I'm ever to do this. and I And I still think, you know, I might eventually own a camper van Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'd ever actually live in it permanently it there is a lot to be said about being able to bring home wherever you want home to be and i still like i feel like a lot of um like my philosophies on life like align with that but there's this one thing that one influencer that i followed said and there's a lot to be um she said that there's it's important to have a door for yourself a door that you can close and you can have your space and do your things that you need to do like without other people like watching or being there. You know what I mean? Right. And like whether that door be a door to a sustainably built uh, van meant to hold us for a long time or having an apartment or a house, you know, yeah. I feel you like need a door. having a door is very important to me. We did not me. have a door. No, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did not. So I guess now I want to talk about like our favorite parts about the road trip. We kind of talked about like the the obstacles that we faced and like, you know, the discrepancies and like what, what it actually was versus what we thought. So, but obviously I still, I wouldn't take back the experience for the world. Well, yeah. So we've just been talking about like mainly, you know, technicalities. Well, yeah. I mean, just like day-to-day things like finding a place to shower, finding a place to cook your food, to change clothes, Mm -hmm. um, a place to sleep. All of those things, you know, were probably the difficulties of the trip. But my favorite parts were all the places we were seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things we were experiencing in between all of those, you know, mundane tasks that became more and more difficult and frustrating as the trip went on. Right. We were still seeing all these beautiful places like Telluride, Colorado and like the Million Dollar Highway Mm -hmm. and Moab, Utah. And, you know, we we did find a lot of really cool campgrounds that I could have spent weeks at. Yeah. So what was your what was your favorite day on the road trip that you remember? I think back to that one spot we found in Colorado. Um, You know, we had to drive up this like 45 degree angle really sketchy dirt road with these massive potholes on it like the fact that i got my ultima up there was a miracle in and of itself Mm -hmm. and it was just the coolest campground there weren't a lot of people around it was very spaced out so we got this like really large deserty area it was up high on a mountain so we could like see like i remember we could see small town lights off in the distance at night it was just beautiful and you know it was it was one of those points in the trip where I was like, all right, this is why I was doing this. Yeah, yeah. it was like an old mountain biking. Or it wasn't an old, it was, an, it was a mountain biking like park, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. One of my favorite nights was watching the sunset, drinking a beer on that rock at that campsite. And I just remember I had never seen the sunset and the moon rise at the same time. 
and it was the coolest thing in the entire world. Yeah, that was magical. It was so cool. It was like pink and dark and oh god. And like it it must be said that like we wouldn't have been able to experience the United States like we did if we weren't, you know, living nomadically and having to go every single day doing 4 hours every day. And it was one of the coolest things ever to see the transition of our country, like how many different biomes that we have in North America. Yeah, it's crazy. If you're driving driving from east to west, you yeah. hit a point like it's basically like Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just hit a point where it's just all mountains. You yeah. know, it's super flat and barren and boring kind of until you get that far west. And then from then on out, it's just constantly changing landscapes from desert to mountains to like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So cool. All in all, summarizing both of our points, um, we got to experience the United States like in the most unique way. And we also, I mean, I personally learned a lot about myself and and what a good life means to me. And I also got to experience major discomforts that I wouldn't have experienced otherwise. And all in all, I think I grew like so much over that month. Well, Dar, thank you so much for uh, discussing nomadic living and our experience with it over the past two years. Yeah, as always, I feel like I could talk a lot more about this and I have a lot more to say, but I guess that's our time. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Dar, and uh, off to the next. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) So that was a little look into our nomadic experience over last summer and the summer before that. Um, I hope you all enjoyed our advice and stories and insight to our nomadic experience. Up next, an interview with digital nomad Pauline Gautier. Here is Pauline's story about her intention and experience living nomadically. Hey Abby, thank you so much for inviting me. I am happy to be here in the Big Beautiful World podcast. And I would like to thank you anyone who is listening right now to the podcast. I'm so excited to share with you my journey and feelings about nomadic living. So first... I would like to introduce myself. My name is Pauline. I'm 30 years old and I'm from France, as you might notice. And I grew up in a small town by the Atlantic Ocean in Brittany, Bretagne in French. And I have been living in my van with my partner for over a year now, since October 2021. And yeah, before this nomadic lifestyle, I was living in big cities, Paris in France and Madrid in Spain. I was working in an office as a human resources specialist and I lived in flats with my partner. So really, let's say normal life. And when we were living in Madrid, we rented vans for weekends and holidays. We used apps. Um, like mobile apps such as Airbnb and Drivey. And this is the first time we got to experience this way of traveling. And yeah, the first time we knew that we would have our own van one day. We just felt in love in this way of traveling and we thought it could be amazing also to live this way. But before that, we also... We used to travel with our small cars and turn them into vans 
let's say. So we had like a mattress in the car and we could sleep anywhere and travel with a small budget as students. And what made me decide to embark on this journey of nomadic living? Mm, well, I love how traveling can offer you a new perception of your reality, like opening new eyes to what is already there. And after leaving Madrid and the jobs we had, the flat we had over there, we went backpacking with my partner in Southeast Asia during 10 months and it was an amazing experience. It was life-changing to travel for such a long time and to learn how to feel at home anywhere. So it felt really natural for us to keep traveling when we came back in Europe in July 2020. At this time we didn't have a car, we didn't have a flat, so we had this coding for nomadic living and that's when we bought and converted our van. It was really the perfect option for us. What inspired this journey? I would say that, yeah, it, it came really naturally. And during the 10 months we spent in Southeast Asia, we had the van in mind and we even bought stuff that would be in the van, such as like the fabric I'm touching right now that is always on the couch. Uh, we bought it in Thailand and yes, we had this vision and we really trusted that after this trip we would buy and convert a van. And before coming back to Europe, we talked about our intention and vision with our loved ones, our family and friends. And we were looking at opportunities to buy a van, but online it wasn't easy to know what was good or not. So we are really grateful that my father, who loves car and who was happy to help us, um, found a van with his knowledge and experience. We really trusted him and it was way easier for us than we... Yeah, we didn't have enough knowledge and experience in cars. So if you have a friend or loved one who knows better, it's good to have his or her help. And yeah, we had zero experience or knowledge in vans or in building anything. Like I have used a hammer for the first time to convert the van, not, not before. And we really started with no clue about the whole process. We just we're going like one step at a time, trying, learning. We did some mistakes, yes. We definitely learned from them. We spent some time sorting them. And it was such, yeah, an amazing journey. And it was definitely out of our comfort zone. And this is where we learned a lot. And we also gained some confidence in ourselves, which was really good. So we did all the furnitures, um, the kitchen, the sink, the paint. Our van is, is quite small, really basic. Uh, and we got help for the electric system and for the paint of the outside of the van. This is, these are the two only things that um, someone helped us. And in these cases, uh, our fathers were helping us. And when moving in the van, so this process was like three months, but we were 
not working on the van full time, maybe uh, four to five hours a day and not during the weekend. It was, yeah, just a nice, nice process. Not stressful, no, no fear, just learning, trying and yeah. So when moving in the van, we realized we had to be really minimalist. Like it's such a tiny space. I think we have like uh, four square meter and we have to fit everything there. Or food or cut, I don't know, cutlery in English. Yeah, I think so. Or tools or clothes or books. Um, yeah, everything. So it really invites um, people to live with less, at least if you have a small van and to spend more time outside, which is great. And how do you travel? How do we travel? Mm, we don't plan. We love to go with the flow without really planning anything. And when someone tells us about a place, we usually add it on our map. And when we are in the same area, we might go there if we feel like it. And yeah, in general, we travel really slowly. We like to search for nice hikes to discover new places because we love to spend um, time outside and to discover new, new natural places. So hikes are a good way to find these spots. And I also work online. So I'm really grateful to be able to make my own schedule because yeah, it's just perfect to work in the van. I guess that it would be possible to work remotely in a nine to five, but maybe more challenging in terms of internet connection and all. So really happy to be able to make my own schedule. I work online as an independent distributor for a company that makes amazing products for holistic health and sustainability. And now I also help people to work with them if they want to have more freedom in their lives. And before that, I wasn't working remotely. Um, yeah, my previous jobs were really office-based in cities uh, without any even remote days. And um, yeah, that's something that working remotely have has always been something I was interested about, but I really didn't know what I could do to work online or how to start before. And yeah, I love doing it from the van, working remotely from the van because it inspires me to travel and I feel like I can focus more than in a house, but it's really, it depends on on a person, I guess. But from the van, it does require organization and discipline because it's not always easy to get good internet connection. So when you have it, you really make the, the most of it, I would say. And yeah, discipline, because you can really be tempted to spend more time having fun. Um, like work can be fun, of course, but having fun outside and when you meet people who are also living in a van or traveling, they might do activities and you want to work. So this is about discipline and organization, yeah. So um, 
yeah, organization discipline, they are key for me in the van. And I just love how some routines and rituals can help us feel grounded and at home, even when everything around us is changing, which is the case when we are traveling. So most of my days um, quite look like the same. I wake up, I meditate, I love to journal as well, do some breathing exercises, and then I have breakfast and I work from my phone, uh, sometimes my laptop, but um, most of the time, yeah, from my phone. And at the end of the morning, when I have finished most of my work, I like to practice yoga just to wind down and to... Um, yeah, to make like, uh, okay, it's over and now I can have lunch with my partner and we usually, we usually spend the afternoon together, um, like going on a hike, exploring a new place, visiting a city, or sometimes it can also be van calls, such as going to the laundry, um, managing the water tanks, going grocery shoppings, shopping. But usually it's mornings are for work and afternoon are more like for outdoor adventures or other stuff and yeah the days that we do the van course are not our favorites obviously but it's needed and it feels so good then to be in a space where everything is clean and fresh and when we have enough water to keep traveling especially in a small space when yeah things can get really messy quickly so it feels really good to have like a reset and everything is clean and fresh and i would say that my favorite days are the ones when i get to watch the sunrise and the sunset when we go on a hike during the afternoon and yeah basically when we spend most of our day outside because we love to be in places where it's just us and nature, not many people. So every time I, or if my partner also has a bad feeling or like, you know, a gut feeling or, or intuition telling uh, you not to stay, we truly, truly honor that without questioning or finding out why we feel that. So we only stay in places where we feel good and secured, even if it's like in the middle of nowhere. You know, you have this feeling, okay, it's good or it's bad. And so far we haven't had any bad experience. So yeah, I don't have any bad memory I could recall. And about favorite memories? Wow, that's a very interesting question because yeah, I might have to think about this for a while to answer properly, I guess. Um, but the first one that comes to my mind is when we arrived in Spain after crossing the border last October. And we slept in the mountains in País Basco. So it's really beautiful mountains. And we were really alone and we saw wild ponies like really ponies who live in the wild in the mountains running around the van and yeah just such a huge feel um huge feeling of freedom and gratefulness so 
Yeah, that's a really good memory, for example. I don't have a special like list of crows and combs, mm, but it's yeah, it shows that van life can look really appealing on social networks, um, in social media especially. But there are many things that we might not consider at first when we see these pictures or videos, and according to people, they can be considered good or bad. For me, I believe that everything is teaching us something. So, for example, we don't have a shower in the van and we have a very limited amount of water and electricity available. So, yes, sometimes it's not really comfortable, but we also feel so grateful for things that we can easily take for granted, such as water, hot showers, electricity, internet. And we learn how to live with less and in a more self-sufficient way. So that's the lesson from this discomfort. And yeah, to anyone who is considering van life, I would highly suggest to rent a van for a few days to see how it is for you and also which kind of van you like. Like if you need a bigger van or smaller van, which kind of facilities uh, you need. Like, do you really want to have a shower or not? Do you really want to have toilets? But anyways, if you have any specific question, you can reach out to me and I will be really happy to answer you the best I can. So yeah, feel free to contact me. Um, on Instagram, for example, at Paulina Anitia. But in my own perception, what is the most challenging is having a little space for me and my partner. So we don't have each one our own space. And I love to practice uh, yoga and I can't really practice yoga inside. I can, but not too, too much. And what I prefer also, it's again really a personal opinion, but is that we spend more time outside and that's a way for us to feel more connected to nature and to ourselves. So yeah, that's like the biggest challenge and the biggest win, I would say. And my biggest lesson with this uh, lifestyle is that... Mm, yeah, we can really experience so much more when we get rid of our doubts and limiting beliefs. Like we are capable of so much. For example, I had never worked remotely before and I had never built anything in my life. And now I get the chance to work from this tiny home on wheels and we built all the inside ourselves. So it's yeah, it's mind-blowing just reflecting on that. And it's only because we took a leap of faith and we were willing to try to make mistakes and to learn from them. And I think that it's available to anyone. Like literally, it's just the stories we are telling ourselves that can limit um, what we think we are capable of or not to manifest or achieve. 
And with this experience, if I could tell something to a past version of myself, it would be to trust more, like even more, to trust my intuition and to trust life more and to follow my own path despite the fears and despite the fears, the insecurity, despite the, um, the need we have to to be validated by other, by other people and to follow a path that is not our own. And yeah, I would just like to um, bring some beautiful words in the Bhagavad Gita that express this perfectly. And here, so it is better to live your own destiny imperfectly than to live an imitation of somebody else's life with perfection. So thank you so much, Abby, for inviting me. Thank you so much to anyone who is listening. And feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Paulina Nitya. I would be super happy to answer any question you have or to share anything with you. So have a beautiful day and see you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the big, beautiful world of nomadic living. And special thanks to Dar Shealy and Pauline Gautier for all of their help and sharing their stories. If you'd like to keep up with me outside of the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at abbysukup underscore. That's A-B-B-E-Y-Y-S-O-U-K-U-P underscore. If you'd like to keep up with Paulina on her adventures living nomadically, all of her information will be in the show notes. Big Beautiful World is a history variety podcast written, produced, and edited by me, Abby Sukup. I know I've said in episodes past that Big Beautiful World is a bi-weekly podcast. However, that schedule has proven to be a bit unmanageable for me. So I'll see you guys whenever I see you guys. Stay hope, stay healthy, and as always, stay beautiful.